All right. Well, good morning again, and welcome to the Springs. All right. This is a week where we celebrate freedom, but extra reason to celebrate the freedom that only Jesus brings. Amen? So before I get into my message, I actually have a uh, special order of business. If you have completed our established classes this spring and have completed your uh, membership interview, I want you to stand to your feet so that I can uh, show you off. All right? We're going to bless you. We're going to officially receive you. Just stay standing where you are. Some of y'all are like, man, I'm so glad I put this extra purdy on today. If I'm going to be standing in front of everybody. So uh, what I want to do is I want to bless you. And I want to welcome you. And I want to, I want to thank God for, uh, for a foundation firmly laid in Jesus Christ. Okay? So Lord, I thank you for these precious individuals. I thank you for the foundation of what we believe is who you are, Jesus. And launching off from that and knowing and growing in you is a wild and amazing adventure. An adventure that you've called us to take together. And so I bless these brothers and sisters of covenant. I thank you for them being established in faith. And I ask, Lord, that you would continue to rise up your kingdom through them that your Holy Spirit would give through these, these individuals more and more of the power that you've, you've granted to them and that they're crying out for. Lord, I receive every distinct gift that they bring to the body. And Lord, I ask that you would use these to multiply to those who are not in here, that many would come to know you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. And y'all can be seated. Thank you. Again, uh, Establish is one of our main four growth steps. They, they're one of 50 that completed Establish this spring. And we actually are starting up next week our summer Establish course, July 10th. And through all, every week of July, um, we're starting our summer Establish session. Um, now, I know that a lot of people are doing different things throughout the summer. People are coming and going. But with all that there is to do, in the summer, what better way to spend your July than establishing yourself in the gospel, in the Bible, in spiritual freedom, and in covenant membership? I mean, come on. Hashtag better than leisure. I don't, this might be too long to, to trend, but you know what I mean. Sign up. You can go to springstx.org slash establish, or just talk to one of us at the connections table. All right? So here we go. Today we continue our series on the Trinity God is one being in the three persons of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone say mystery. 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 Because you know what? No matter how much we can try to understand and fully grasp who God is and specifically how to rightly uh, cognitively gather what the Trinity is, it still remains a mystery. And it's a little bit dangerous sometimes when we try to reduce God to fit within our understanding. I'll give you an example. God, the Trinity, is not three aspects of one personal being. I'll give you an example. I'm Peter, if you don't know me. I don't think I introduced myself. I'm Peter. I serve as the lead pastor. Uh, But I am a father. I'm a husband. And I am a pastor. All at once. Right? Right? So that's like three aspects. But here's the problem. I'm still just one person. 
Now, my wife might argue with that because if you catch me, if you wake me up between about 11 p.m. and 2 a.m., a whole new person comes out, it, it would seem. But that's not like the Trinity. The Trinity is one God in three persons and not three distinct or not three separate gods. And so we can understand this and, and gain some understanding, but we can't really truly fully grasp who God is, and it's a little bit dangerous to do so. The infinite God will always be mysterious in some way or another to finite beings. And that's important to know. So everyone repeat after me again. One God, God. three persons, persons. mystery. Mystery. And you know what? This is important too because many of us, all of us, will encounter lots of mysteries, lots of things that don't really fit within an within our understanding as we go throughout life. And you know what? There's two different things that those things that we don't understand can be. It can either be nonsense or above our senses and our intellect. Either nonsense or above our senses and intellect. And if we don't tell the difference between the two, we're going to have some serious problems. Amen? Honestly, growing up, I elevated nonsense to a place of transcendence over me in my life. It's kind of like a god or an idol. I had things that were just nonsense that served over me. And all the while, I treated God and his word as nonsense as it related to my life. Though I was a religious person, if you watched how I lived my life, you would think that I was treating God and I thought and believed God's word was nonsense by how I lived my life. I had it backwards like so many people have it today. And this is important for us to rightly distinguish between the two. If it weren't for Jesus being revealed to me through his Holy Spirit, mysteriously using other flawed people like me, reaching out to me, evangelizing me, interrupting my life, that I, I, was, I was not looking for those things. And these, these students kept bothering me. If it weren't for that, I would be eternally separated from the living, wonderful, mysterious God. So today, we'll talk about Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus. This morning, we're going to dare to look into the brightness of the sun. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's clearly revealed in this part of the Bible, known as the Old Testament, as much as he's revealed in the New Testament. Fully clear who Jesus is in the Old Testament, completely revealed who he is in the New Testament. And today I'm going to cover one aspect, which could be so many aspects of who Jesus is. And this could be not just a six-week series, but about a 6,000-week series. I'm going to cover one aspect of who Jesus is and show you that it rings true in the Old and the New Testament. So if you're taking notes, you can entitle this message, Jesus, the Shepherd King. Jesus, the Shepherd King. This is important for everyone here to know today. Jesus is not simply an idea. He is a shepherd who wants to guard and guide you. Many of you maybe have tried to guard yourself. Many of you, like me, maybe have tried to guard and guide yourself. And uh, maybe God's blessed you with enough heartache to, to help you see that it's not working. Well, he's also here to show you that he wants to be intimate with you. He's not holding back. And today he wants to show you and reveal himself as he is, the shepherd king. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet with me, and I'm going to read my favorite psalm. And I have actually a special thing um, 
that I want to do. It's a challenge for everyone here. I have a challenge. I'm going to read the entire Psalm 23. Anyone who by next week stops me having memorized this and recites it to me. You ready for this? Everyone perked up because you're feeling a reward coming, right? Because I love this psalm so much and because in and out just opened 0.4 miles up the road here. If you memorize this and recite it to me, you will punch your ticket to one animal style, style cheeseburger on me. So by next week, Psalm 23 recited to me. That's a challenge for anyone. And, and you know, we're not going to cover this today about how Jesus turned water into wine. But if he can do that, he can turn animal style cheeseburgers into nutrition, okay? So don't worry about it. All right, anyway, here we go. Jesus, the shepherd king, check out Psalm 23. A psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you. Y'all can be seated. Jesus, please add a supernatural blessing to the reading of your word. Amen. So let's walk through this little by little. Are y'all ready for that? Are we ready for this? We're going to walk through Psalm 23, the shepherd king, Jesus. First of all, it says in verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. This is important to know. Let's take that first word first. This, it says the Lord. And when it talks about the Lord being my shepherd, it actually uses the, David uses the divine name of the Lord. This is the name given to Moses, this mysterious name. Now, we've already covered that the Trinity, who God is, is a mystery. How can he be three persons, one being? Mystery, right? Well, maybe Jews, ancient Jews, didn't quite grasp the mystery revealed of the Trinity fully until the New Testament. But I'll tell you right now, they understood the mystery of the Godhead long before. The word the Lord here is actually means it, it's from the, the, the divine name Yahweh. And it literally means I am that I am. And that's important. God is that he is. He's mysterious. God isn't just who we understand him to be, right? He has always been who he is way above our understanding. And here the divine name is used to draw out this tangible aspect of the mysterious uh, working of who God is. And specifically that God is a shepherd. And I'm going to say, and Jesus has said before me, and we'll talk, to that, talk about that at the end, that God's shepherding nature is most clearly and most plainly demonstrated in the person of the Son, Jesus. So let's get into this word shepherd then. It says, the Lord, Yahweh, is my shepherd. 
The Hebrew word when it says shepherd is ra'ah. Say that, ra'ah. It sounds fun to just say it like that. Ra'ah. Literally, it just means to pasture, to tend, or to feed. He feeds his children. When it says shepherd, he is relating to us as we're like sheep. And when he says, when it says sheep, it's, it, it, it shows that he alone is able to shepherd, to feed, to tend when we can't feed ourselves. In fact, the New Testament, the word, where we get the word pastor, it's, it's a strange thing that we've done in the English language where we, we translate the Bible and the Bible really only has from start to, to finish this one word for shepherd. And yet we've distinguished pastor and shepherd where it's really just one word. Now, I don't want you calling me shepherd Peter. You can call me Peter, Pastor Peter, if you want. But it's important to know that these are the same thing. And more importantly, that it's not about the New Testament offices. But above all, Jesus is the great shepherd. Jesus is the pastor of this church. Jesus is the Lord of all. And Jesus is the one who guides everyone. He is shepherd king. I love it in Spanish. It says the same word. El Señor es mi pastor. Nada me falta. He is my shepherd. He is, he is my pastor. Same thing. God wants to shepherd his people. Now, if God is a shepherd, again, I have to be extremely clear because sometimes with my own thinking, it's hard to remind myself. If God is a shepherd, and specifically if God is my shepherd, what does that make me? Any volunteers just shout it out. I'm a sheep. That's not very flattering. If anyone knows anything about a sheep, they're not super duper smart. They're not super capable. In fact, sheep are completely dependent on the shepherd for everything, almost for breathing too. Maybe not for breathing, but the shepherd darn near has to remind the sheep to breathe. Leads them into still water so he can breathe. None of us really like, it's not in our human nature to want to be dependent, right? To need things, to need a shepherd. But we don't have a choice whether or not we're in need. Our only choice is can we admit it and, and be able to submit to the right shepherd? If you're like me, and you probably are, you are, you've submitted to the wrong shepherd far too many times and have seen the pain of it that comes through sin. But it says this, that Jesus, nonetheless, the Lord is my shepherd. He wants to draw near and to guard and to guide as a shepherd with sheep. Though it's, it's clear that David is not literally saying he's a sheep. He's saying, this is the level of dependence that I have. This is how much I need God's guidance. He guards and guides me in everything I do. I am that dependent like a sheep, though I am a redeemed son. I am called back from my sin by God. I'm a son, yet I'm more like a sheep in terms of how I am in need of God to guide me in every step. Now, again, your choice is to be okay with being a sheep. If you try to be a shepherd, you're just going to fail. If you try to shepherd yourself, but if you're okay with being a sheep and specifically a sheep of the great shepherd, God himself, then it's easier to be shepherded. If you admit that you're a sheep, 
it's easier to be shepherded. I'm coming up with some really ridiculously obvious things today. And I prayed about this stuff. Now, if you can admit that you're a sheep, here's the thing. It positions you for the provision of the shepherd. And, and this is what's great. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. When it says, I shall not want, it, in, in some translations, it's literally, I lack nothing. And I love this, the, the, the different versions say, literally, I have no lack. I, all my needs are met is what it means. So again, because the Lord is my shepherd, then all my needs are met. And in the next several stanzas, it goes to categorically point out all the different types of needs that are met. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He, he leads me or guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. So here, here's all the categories. The green pastures means that he provides for my physical hunger. Sheep, sheep would eat grass, and he would make them lie down. Hey, you're all nervous. You're a very nervous and preoccupied sheep. You don't see that your provision's all around you, and I'm not mad at you for it. I'm just going to make you lie down and enjoy what I've already provided that you don't yet see. Story of my life. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He is the provision of my, my physical hunger. He leads me beside still waters, meaning that he is the provision of my thirst. Whether it is uh, emotional thirst or physical thirst, he is my provision. He restores my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions, all of it. Jesus, the shepherd, is the one who brings restoration and strength, new strength to my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness, meaning he's my moral provision. Now, this is crazy. Stop there for a second. Wait a minute. Isn't the moral thing kind of my part? Like God gives me all this good stuff, like provision, but then I got got to like pay him back with the good, doing good things, right? Like I do righteousness because he does good things for me. Well, not necessarily. Now we participate if we're his sheep, we participate in the joy of righteousness. But if we think that we're going to lead ourselves into the paths of righteousness by our own works, first of all, we can't do it. But if we could, if we could lead ourselves in the paths of righteousness, we would do it for our own namesake and therefore it wouldn't be righteousness anymore. He leads me in paths of righteousness. So literally what the Bible's saying here is that you're incapable of providing your own righteousness. And if you struggle with that, I'll I'll tell you right now, it says here too that you're incapable, you're virtually useless in feeding yourself too. Totally dependent sheep. Anyone encouraged today? If you know you're sheep, you're super encouraged knowing about the shepherd here. Here's the point. You can't shepherd yourself. And if you realize that and you're cool with being a sheep and cool with being his sheep, then he leads you in paths of righteousness for your namesake, his namesake. He is your moral provision and you lack nothing on earth in your body and your soul and in your spirit because he provides everything. Now, no one can meet your needs like your shepherd king. And I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you. Don't test that. 
In fact, I'll just say specifically, don't test that any longer. Don't try to meet your relational needs with him or her. He is the shepherd. He's the one who restores your soul. Don't try to meet your identity needs with your job. Test him. Don't test whether or not this is true because you're just in for more and more pain. The glory of being his sheep and being under his provision is wonderful. And you know what? Even It's shown even in the hardest of times. He shows you that. Verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. His presence, his nearness. It's not because I know these principles, I've memorized this and that, though knowing principles and memorizing things are very, very important. But it should know, everything we know should lead us to a nearness to the person of God who is there with us because he is a shepherd. And if he is your shepherd, then it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter uh, necessarily what struggles in your job or in your family you're going through. No matter how dark it seems to be, if he is near to you, the darkness is meaningless in comparison. And you know what? I think there is a type of provision in the dark moments that we need that we wouldn't necessarily know that we need. Because I've already mentioned in the verses before, the green pastures, the still waters, restoring my soul, paths of righteousness. These are perceived needs, the the needs that we feel, right? But there are greater needs than our perceived needs. The needs to grow in our strength and our faith and our character, having them be tested. I've heard a man, a godly man say, you don't learn to trust God in the green pastures. It's in the dark valleys, and specifically, we can know contextually that God's the one who leads us into the dark valleys. Yes, I said it. He's in control, even in taking us into the things that often we'll blame on the devil. Because he's sovereign over the devil. And he is strong. And he wants to guide you not around the dark valleys, but through them. To show you his nearness in ways that you would never see without those dark values, va- valleys. He meets all my felt needs and even my greater needs. Verse four, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now a rod and a staff, uh, one end uh, was used to fend off the enemy, but the other end was used to bring sanctified discomfort to the sheep, meaning he would prod the sheep like, don't go over there, boom. How is that comforting? It's comforting to know That God is not going to let me stray if I'm his sheep. He's not going to, no one can pluck me out of his hands. I don't, God's not waiting and saying, man, I really hope Peter gets his motives right. Then I can walk with him. Man, he's got some real selfish ambition. And man, once he gets that figured out, then I can be his shepherd. Here's the crazy thing. That's not who God is. God will discipline his sheep. And if you're his sheep, no matter what motive struggles you have, he'll work that out in the dark valleys, in the green pastures. He'll guide you. He'll guard you. And he'll protect you even from yourself. 
And you're not, he's not asking you to figure all these things out and crack the code of your sin. He is working on your sin if you're his. And you don't have to wait and wonder. You can submit and trust to the good shepherd. This brings me so much comfort because I feel like the more I spend being a Christian, it's been like 18, 19 years now, the more aware I am of the flaws inside me. The only reason I'm not discouraged is because it's God showing me the flaws so that he can discipline me. And therefore I'm comforted by his discipline because I'm a son. I'm his sheep. Hebrews, it says, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which many have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. A son and a daughter is one who knows whose they are. No matter what you're going through. On a bad day, when you have a bad attitude with your spouse. On a good day, when you have a major parenting win when you you pass the test, when you fail the test, if you know whose you are, then you can continue to grow in discipline regardless of the circumstances around you. Why? Because I am his son, daughter, and sheep. Specifically, he is so big and so brilliant as a shepherd that I am like a sheep compared to his wisdom, his beauty, his knowledge. Jesus is near. He's always been near to his sheep, whether it was 5,000 years ago or five minutes from now. Jesus has always been near. In fact, I wanna, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 10. Jesus mentions something about this shepherd thing. And I believe he's clearly saying, hey guys, remember Psalm 23? That's me. He's clearly referencing Psalm 23 and the shepherding nature of God. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as as the father knows me. And I know the father and I lay my life down for the sheep. Isn't it amazing that he draws on his relationship with the Father here? Even though he is personally claiming to be the fulfillment of Psalm 23, that he is the shepherd, he's he's also unveiling his relationship with the Father within the Trinity. He's showing the mystery of who God is and how he's more than we understand him to be, and yet at the same time, still willing to guide and to guard as a shepherd, something that they especially would have understood then. Isn't that amazing, the paradox of how God can be understandably guarding and guiding us and yet still remain mysterious at the same time? Now, he here was accused by the Jews who were listening to him as not speaking plainly about who he is. It's kind of like he's alluding to this relationship with the Father and the Jews are going to accuse him of not speaking plainly about being God. Are you God? Are you the Christ? What are you trying to claim here? It's interesting to know that even today, um, Muslims, Jehovah's Witnesses, for instance, people who don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God would even go as far to say that Jesus never claimed to be the Son of God uh, and God himself in the New Testament. And one of the reasons why this is so crazy 
is because you have to really do some crazy gymnastics with some of these words to make that claim. Jesus clearly says he's God, and it's not fuzzy to the people within the text here. It's very clear. In fact, he goes and clarifies plainly who he is again, though he didn't need to, with, with the Jews who questioned him. And in, in verse 25 through 30, I'm going to read, uh, after what he says this, the Jews say in verse 31, they picked up stones to kill him for claiming he was God. Okay? But check out what it says in, in uh, I'm going to read verse 24. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Verse 25, Jesus answered them, I told you and you don't believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and, know, and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. What a mystery. So as we draw to a close, my question for you is this. Are you among his sheep? Do you hear his voice? Specifically here, do you truly follow him? He says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Do you follow him or are you like me? I I used to think I followed him, but I I didn't. It was clear. I, I was religious I went to church sometimes, but my life clearly didn't follow him. Are you being guided by his words? And does, that, does the shepherd's hand show clearly in how you live your life? If your answer is yes to these questions, then my challenge to you is today, do not harden your heart. In fact, today, lay your life down before the shepherd. What will it take? What are things in your life that you just need to to lay in the green pastures and to be at peace with the shepherd? If you know the shepherd and you claim him as your shepherd and you are his sheep, then in what ways do you just need to lay down in his green pastures, which is way better than any summer vacation, any external leisure? It's the peace of the shepherd. What is it? The Holy Spirit's speaking to, to many of you right now. And if you can't say yes to these questions, that you're his sheep, that you follow him, that you hear his voice, then you need to lay your life down before the shepherd for the first time, fully. You need to submit your life to him. And what's great is, is you don't submit your life to a religious plan, a, a, an idea, a person that's just disconnected. You lay your, da- you lay your life down for the person who leads you into righteousness. And how is it that he leads you into righteousness? Let's go back to verse uh, 15. I lay my life down for the sheep. That's how he leads you into righteousness. He lives a righteous life. He lived the life that you should have lived. But then he died the death that you should have died in your place on the cross. That's how the good shepherd shows who he is and what, what he does for whose are his He rises again from the dead to show the power to make the transaction. Your death from sin for his life 
transferred because you're his sheep. Now, if you've never fully submitted to that shepherd, right now is your opportunity. Would you pray with me? If that's you, if you've never submitted to the shepherd, even as we're still praying, I just, I want to give you an opportunity just for your sake, uh, just so you can in faith uh, affirm what the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. If you've never laid your life down before the shepherd king and said, I want to be your sheep, I'm yours, I want to follow you, I want to hear your voice, I give myself all the way to you. If this is your moment and the Holy Spirit's saying, it's you, it's your time, I just want you to to look up and and raise your hand. I want to pray with you, if that's you. This is between you and the Lord, but you need to affirm what he's doing. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you, God. Thank you. Now, quick instruction before I pray. If you raise your hand, I, I don't want to place this in my hands. This isn't in our hands. We're not going to organize this from the church because this is the shepherd calling out to you. So what I'll encourage you to do is if you raise your hand and he's telling you, he's leading you, he's guiding you, he's saying, you need to join a growth group. You need to go talk to someone at the connections table. You need to stay and pray. Just do what he says, okay? And we'll be here to walk with you as fellow sheep, okay? Uh, Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you are who you are, that you are such a good shepherd, that, that, Lord, I can look back at my life and see how this psalm has been manifest time and time again through dark moments of my own sin, my selfishness, and yet I can look back and say, my life has been an amazing joy in the midst of trial because, exclusively because of my good and great shepherd. Lord, for those who need to lay certain things down today and enjoy you in the green pastures, I pray that you would help them to do that and specifically uh, help them to follow through with what you're saying to do. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we stand to our feet as we dismiss here? You guys did such a good job. Good job. That was a whole lot of there was a whole lot of dude up here talking. You were listening so well. I want to remind you that next Sunday, we are back to two services. Our early service here at 10 a.m. and our second service is at 11.30 a.m. And uh, it's going to be the same vision of our church unveiled in a new way that God is springing forth. And it's going to be super exciting. And I dare you to come early and not miss a thing, not miss a, a moment of joy of what God's doing. Um, if you have a prayer for any, need prayer for anything, we'll be uh, available at the back in the connections table. And you can submit your connections cards so we can better communicate with you uh, back at the connections table as well. Thank you. We're dismissed.